Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Week. Kick off the afternoon with the call 10 stocks that you suggest uh, we have a look at. I put them to our expert panel and I chuck in a stock of the day, a stock that's making headlines. It's fast, it's furious, it's really informative and a lot of fun. Great panel today. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets, our favourite West Australian. Carl, how are you? Good, thanks, Koshi. I'm, I'm pretty high on the list. I know Mark McGowan is pretty high for you, so maybe I've just picked, picked him out. <laughs> exactly. Well, I was over your way uh, on the weekend yeah. visiting the grandkids and the sort, of, uh, uh, sort of Sandalford Wines and a few of your highlights over there. But certainly Mark McGowan has a lot of disciples, does he? Uh, he does at Very the moment. Popular. Yeah, no, it's um, he's. Uh, I call him Emperor McGowan over yes. there. He's, he's got that much. Uh, <laughs> it sway. almost is. It almost is. Uh, and joining the panel, Michael Wayne from Adalian Financial. Michael, good to see you in the studio yeah, here at Brangaroo. Good to be yeah. here. Has your week been? Oh yeah, pretty good. It's um, hasn't been as turbulent so far this week as no. recent weeks, but. Look, who knows? There could be another turn for the worse around the corner. We, yeah. we look, we remain nervous and, and cautious and all those things. Um, we just don't think that any of these issues that are creating the uncertainty are going to dissipate anytime soon. So yeah. a lot of tough conversations with clients. Portfolios have definitely been hit, but that's yeah. sort of par for the course, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, news just spooks the market, doesn't it? It's, it reacts. Well, I mean, we saw yesterday Snapchat, Snapchat. and the futures in the US were down quickly. Yep. That took the heat out of our market. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. And look, little announcements here and there tend to create a lot of volatility, which yeah. shows the jumpiness of people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get stuck straight into it. Uh, first five stocks we're going to take a look at in the first half hour of the show. Uh, APA, um, Data3, Select Harvest, IGO, Air New Zealand and Star Entertainment Group. Um, APA, I thought we'd look at as the uh, as a stock of the day. It kicks off part two of its East Coast gas grid expansion. Uh, southern states will benefit from 13% added capacity in time for winter 2024. Uh, this is climate change policy and renewable energy were brought to the fore during the federal election, promising to be an ongoing theme for Australian energy producers and beyond. And uh, of course, Anthony Albanese uh, forecasting that in uh, his quad meeting yesterday. Share, APA shares uh, popping up almost 1%, 11 cents today. Um, Carl, sort of APA is seen as uh, a stock for uncertain times, a defensive stock. It's, uh, I, I say it's like the transurban of, uh, of gas instead of uh, toll roads. This is toll pipes to get gas <laughs> to market, isn't it? All the gas producers share this grid. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, one great thing for APA is they don't really care how much uh, the gas costs that's going through it. I mean, that's the problem of the producers. And they're just obviously clipping the ticket as the gas passes from point A to point B. I've got about 15,000 kilometres or give or take of pipelines all over the country. So it is look, it is one of those essential um, infrastructure assets. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and this announcement today, I guess, just shows their confidence. I mean, the, the original announcement was um, made uh, last year and um, it there was two stages and this is the second stage. So I think the market was largely expecting it. Um, but the, the price has been going up. The chart looks really, really good. It's one that, um, you know, I've, I've been on Ausbiz a few times telling people about this one. Uh, it's been coming up on my scans since about December and I've um, ran it as my feature chart on Twitter a number of times since then. So it's been, it's been one of the go-to stocks for uh, Think Markets clients since the start of the year. Um, they've done pretty well out of it. Uh, the only thing I would counsel now is in terms of um, evaluation, it is pretty much at our target, fair value target of about 12 bucks. Um, so if you're kind of coming late to the party, uh, maybe there's a, a little bit less um, meat on the bone for you. But that would be more for your sort of um, uh, market timer, your technical analyst, somebody looking for, um, for you know, a, sort of a, a quicker turn. I think if you're more of a, um, a defensive investor, self-managed super fund, long-term portfolio stuff, I, I think you're fine because I think you've got um, you've got a, a really, you know, reasonably priced 4% yield. I think that's helpful, not um, fully ranked, unfortunately, um, but a great chart, a great trend behind you in what is going to be, as I said, a key link, a key component in Australia's uh, energy uh, security uh, into the future. So obviously, um, we uh, we need to transition away from um, burning coal and a lot of those coal stations are dropping off the grid. So gas provides this great opportunity um, to plug that hole with reliable baseload. Now, in the longer, longer term, um, APA might have some problems because by 2050, I'll just give you an example, the Victorian government's going to face out uh, you know, uh, gas. Uh, so, but but that's a long-term. Medium term, I, I don't think investors need to worry too much about that. Um, the other quick point I'll make about this one is a lot of their um, prices are indexed uh, to CPI, and in particular, um, mm. for whatever reason, the US CPI. So US CPI running at about 8% at the moment. Um, so they're going to wow. get some great um, prices. Yeah, absolutely. Some great prices coming in. They've got they've got some rising costs themselves, but I, I, don't, I think there's going to be a mismatch there, which uh, will hit the bottom line. So um, uh, what did I say? I said uh, a, a, a buy if you're a long term defensive um, investor. If you've already bought it, um, like Think Markets clients, uh, back around 10, I, th- I think I'm going to go hold. Okay. All right. Uh, Michael, what do you think of APA? Yeah, great quality um, monopoly type asset. Um, essentially, it's gone around and bought up uh, and really consolidated the industry over the last decade or so. And, and that was creating a few issues in terms of future expansion because the regulator was starting to sort of well, the concern was the regulator was going to start to step in and, and stop any more acquisitions. So this expansion of their potential capacity um, will be a, a potential growth driver for them. Um, up to 25% of, of gas in the East Coast, which is a, a big addition to the market. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? The Australian energy market operator expects the gas demand will drop by 20% by the end of this decade and then by 40% by the end of 2050. Right. Um, so that could be one long-term headwind facing them. It looks unlikely unless the Australian government regulates um, the amount of new entrants into the gas market. But but still, that is something to be conscious of. Um, it has recovered back to where it was sort of pre-COVID levels. Um, its dividend yield is looking less attractive than it was. Um, and a lot of people do invest in this for that steady um, dividend yield. Um, however, in saying that, being a very high quality infrastructure asset, there are a lot of consortiums out there looking for these types of things. And it has been speculated that 
there are people interested um, in the likes of APA. We saw it with Sydney airports and, and we've seen discussion around the likes of Transurban as well. So that is definitely going to, or more than likely, going to offer some support to the share price. So look, a very high quality, steady dividend paying stock, which is unlikely to fluctuate too much with the turbulence right. of the market. So, and and a, as Carl's saying, a bit of an inflation hedge. Well, that's that's right. That's it's well. similar, like you said at the top of the show, similar to Transurban, where yeah. all their income is somewhat linked to inflation. So yeah. a few tailwinds for the business at the moment. Um, very, very high quality. I think at some stage you might have to get a little bit nervous if bond yields do move too much higher right. because they do carry an enormous amount of debt just given the type of business that it is. Yep. And as it comes to recycling that debt and refinancing it, that might increase the servicing costs a bit. So that's something to keep an eye on. But at the moment, I think it's a bit, it's in a bit of a safe spot, mm. um, a sweet spot as well. So I think you could buy it. I'm not going to give it a buy. I think you can give it a hold because yep. you'd sort of know what you're going to get with the company and it's not really going to shoot up too quickly you wouldn't think right okay right let's get into the uh stocks that you suggested we take a look at uh joanne wants to view michael on data three uh the uh, big information technology uh company i think joanne's a bit of a bit of a fan uh she says it's in the same space as technology one uh, which is an uh, old favourite of the program and, and in fact was our stock of the day uh, this time yesterday. But Joanne says it has a higher return on equity, 50% versus 34%. And Joanne says uh, Data3 doesn't dilute shareholder value by issuing more shares as does Technology1. Well, Joanne, I think it'd be a bit harsh on that. Um, also, Data3 has a full, fully framed dividend versus Technology1 only 60% fully framed uh, and has a higher dividend. Seems like Data3 is reliable grandfather stock in a self-managed super fund portfolio. So it sounds as though Joanne is sort of part of the Data3 cheer squad, but does she have a point? Look, she definitely has some very good points there. It's a business that's been around for a while now, has an entrenched position in the market. And and the way to think of Data3 is if you have an ageing tech system and and say you're a transportation company or a shipping-based company, something along those lines, Data3 will come in and they'll reinvigorate your systems. They'll modernise it, make it more efficient, less problematic, um, which can help the business improve productivity. And essentially, that's what they've been able to do. They've got good relationships with the likes of Microsoft, Hewlett-Packard, Cisco, these types of companies, and they'll go in and they'll revamp your entire systems. Um, Their balance sheet is very good. They don't carry any debt. About 60% of their earnings are recurring in nature, which is a quality trait that many people look for in businesses these days. So there is a lot to like about the company. One of the the negatives that I see with it is that margins are very, very narrow in a business like this. Uh, And in fact, I think they've been getting narrower in in recent times as well. So that might be the difference you you might find in the valuation placed on something like Technology One and something like Data3. But you could do worse. It is a tech-related business without being the, the high-flying um, valuations that many tech companies trade on. But look, it's it's just, for mine, it's not a bad company, but it's just hard to get too excited about it. And right. I think for now, in this environment, you're better off just giving it a, a miss and yeah. then maybe approaching it again <coughs> down the track. But okay. that's, yeah, that's my viewpoint. Um, Carl, I, I 
if we can uh, bring up the uh, the data three chart, it has a similar chart to Tech One, in mm, that it, it hasn't been smashed nearly as much as other tech stocks on our market, has it? It's sort of held up pretty well. It's had just a leg down in the last couple of weeks. Um, what do you think of Data 3 as compared to Tech 1? Yeah, well, there's a good reason why both Technology 1 and Data 3 haven't uh, behaved like a lot of those other tech stocks that might be in viewers' portfolios, and that's because they have earnings. They've got earnings right now. Mm. In fact, they've been, they've been growing their earnings, both of them, um, through even through the pandemic. Um, so, you know, great growth, great stability, uh, and, you know, great management in terms of being able to do that. I, you know, very few companies, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the bell curve is, but let's say 5% of companies uh, probably in the world could say they managed to grow their um, earnings through, through the yeah. pandemic. So, you know, kudos to management for doing that. But Michael does really touch on the Achilles heel of uh, of Data3 in terms of the investment case, which is the fact that the margins are very low. So it's about 2.5% you know, uh, in terms of its EBITDA margin. So really razor-thin margins. But you know, look, most of the um, earnings are recurring in nature, so that's sort of one offset to that. Um, but it doesn't take a lot then. You know, It doesn't take uh, much to happen on the other 30, uh, I think 62% recurring, 38% non-recurring. So it doesn't take a lot to happen on the other a bit um, to, to cause those margins to to cause issues to the bottom line. So, you know, with, with risk, there comes reward. And the reward is great company, great growth, reasonable valuation, trading about 25 times this year's earnings, but, you know, growing, you know, sort of mid to, mid to low teens. Uh, so that's going to come down to sort of 20 in a couple of years. Uh, dividend yield, I think, was reasonable, about 3.5%. Um, as Joanne suggests, I, I love Joanne's analysis, spot on, you know, much better return on equity than <laughs> technology one. Uh, I've, got, I've, got, I've got one for you, Joanne. This is the one I thought was really interesting was its enterprise value to revenue of 0.32. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, its enterprise value is, is less than its, its, uh, its revenue even. But, the, you know, it's high volume low margin. Look, I'll get to the point here. <laughs> as much as I could talk, um, Koshi, about the fundamentals all day, yeah. it kind of doesn't matter because you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> right? What am I yeah. going to say, Koshi? The chart looks horrible. The chart, no momentum. The chart looks, the chart looks horrible. So, great yeah. company, terrible chart. When the chart looks better, then I'll like it more. It's as simple as okay. that. I like it. I'll like it more when the chart turns up. All right. Joanne, thank you for sending in that uh, um, that suggestion. Also, the explanation, some really good points there. Appreciate it. Um, Carl Ingrid wants a view on Select Harvest, the uh, the big almond and natural health food uh, company, processing, packaging, marketing, distributing uh, nuts, fruits, seeds, and and oils, um, and agricultural stock. Of course, uh, we had yep. elders on earlier in the week. The got a big rave from uh, Nathan Somersandara and Henry Jennings and so it's a big thematic the food thematic at the moment isn't it with inflation coming through what are what do you sure think is. of select yeah, no, sure is. No, I, I, I watch I watch, catch quite a few episodes of the call. You'd be surprised. I do watch Nathan. I know he's a bit of a fanatic on these yep. agricultural <laughs> stocks. And uh, look, I like them from time to time. As you as you expect, when the charts are looking good, I like them. When the charts aren't so good, I'm happy to go and look at something else. But I think many of the charts are starting to look uh, good at this point in time. So, you know, Grain Corp, uh, you've talked about Elders. You've yep. talked, um, we've, I, I've even talked about New Farm uh, recently, but that one's mm. come off. Maybe I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, but Select Harvest has been popping up on my scans as well. So it's been there 
there. I've lost the notes now, but it's, it's come up a couple of times in the last few months. Um, so it, it's it's just starting to turn that corner. So it's had a big um, long-term downtrend, and it's just popped back up. You can see there on, on, on even on this yep. line chart, um, and it's just for me starting to do the right things. I'm not ready yet to go in. I just need to see a little bit more positive momentum, a little bit of confirmation uh, from that chart to get in. And I reckon a close above 640, I could get to a buy on this one. Okay, for right. the next swing because X stocks hero zero hero zero hero zero and hopefully this is you know the the eve of the next hero okay uh, but for me it's love them and leave them I'm in X stocks for a good time not a long time okay. Right. Oh, six forty. I'm interested. I, I would just say they're having some problems right now, um, and I think the MD called it the worst weather conditions in the last ten years, and that's why the prices just pulled back a little bit over the last right. couple of weeks. So, isn't it interesting? Uh, that's why I love talking to you guys because uh, you challenge the way everyone thinks. You would have viewers there going, "What? Well, it's only just under six bucks at the moment." You're saying wait till it goes up forty five cents. I missed yep. out on that forty five cents. <laughs> But you're saying uh, yeah. that just shows yeah. the trend. Yeah, so if we look at the history of Select Harvest, um, back in 2014, uh, 15, it went from a dollar to $13. Then almond prices crashed, it went from 13 to four, right? And it's right. pretty much done nothing since then. So if this move occurs, it's gonna go from six probably to 13 again. So if I miss 40 cents, who cares? As, yep. It's just giving me more confidence I'm yep. getting in at the right time. Good point. Uh, Michael, what do you think I of think, like, I think Carl makes a good point. You've got to be there, in there for you know a good time, not a long time, <laughs> because the cycles can be pretty vicious. Yeah. Um, They've done a great job in expanding their markets into China and India, um, as well as maintaining you know, the likes of, of Europe and the US, etc. Um, they've got an enormous amount of, of almond um, hectares under production. Um, all I think all their all their the average maturity of their almond trees is about 13 years. There's about 25 years plus mm. um, tree life still left in them. So. Wow. They should be a pretty consistent producer of almonds, which should deliver the, the good earnings. But with weather events that affect all different agricultural stocks, they can be unpredictable. And you know, a lot and, of and not just here, but because what was it a year ago? I remember people talking about California had a terrible right. crop, and that affected our prices. So not only do you have to worry about, and I suppose this is what is what makes professionals like you guys yeah. nervous with ag stocks. Uh, good time, not a long time, because you're fighting nature, which the management can't fight. That's right, and it just creates unpredictability yeah. in earnings and revenues and Which margins. you don't like as an investment. And profession. it's just hard to price those things yeah. with any certainty. So you will get these big swings, and if you can jump on the back of, of those trends, um, yeah. as Carl would say, then definitely you can do well. But look, most agriculture companies would beg for a lot of rain. <laughs> now they've had too much rain, which has affected the, the premium quality of some of the almonds. It's, it's meant that they've, their quality of their product hasn't been good, volumes are down. Uh, it means that they've had to increase costs in order to salvage some of the products and, and some of the crops. So it just is a very difficult business. You can see it in the balance sheet, you know, 2018, 2019, there's a big jump in earnings. Since then, you know, you've seen earnings come all the way back yeah. down. So volatile balance sheet, volatile earnings means that the share price will be volatile. And you'll see that in the long-term chart. Yeah. So for mine, I'm going to give it a, a, a sell for now and I'll, I'll right. wait for a better upward trend and when maybe the, the outlook and the certainty on production improves. Okay. All right. Uh, Chris wants a view on IGO, um, the, uh, the lithium uh, business. Uh, Chris says... Uh, it's a favourite of Carl's. 
which uh, it is, um, but wondering his current view of the stock. Uh, they've just done a joint venture with, uh, or they're in a joint venture with Tianqi uh, Lithium Energy and made a few breakthroughs in its refinery processing in Quadana in WA, I was reading, uh, Carl. What do you think of, Yes. is this significant for IGR? Yeah, correct. They are starting to produce lithium hydroxide. So this is the battery grade material uh, yeah. that you know, uh, the Teslas of the world want. Okay, so yeah, so uh, at the very basics, at out at Greenbushes, they produce the the spot you mean. Okay, so then east it gets brought over to Quinana, uh, which is just south of Perth, and gets processed into lithium hydroxide. So uh, it, it really what I like about um, IGO is that you know it's, it's not they're not just um, kicking over rocks in the desert. They're not uh, just digging stuff out of the ground. You know they're sort of working their way up that um, supply chain, that value chain as well. So uh, a broad, uh, you know they're very diversified in terms of their battery metals exposure. But it is you know just battery metals, right? So nickel, yep. copper, uh, lithium, uh, cobalt, all, all all the good stuff, and uh, all. WA production, Koshi, you know, proudly West Australian. The only problem for IGO is just really in the chart. I, mean, I, love, I love it long term. I think, um, you know, if you look at the dynamics of, of both the lithium uh, and nickel markets, uh, we, we've got to be deficits for those markets out to 2030, more so for lithium than nickel. Obviously, lots of problems um, in uh, Russia, Ukraine at the moment, and the, both of those countries um, responsible for a large amount of nickel supply. So nickel prices are about 30%, uh, uh, 30, 40% higher than where they were uh, pre uh, that 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 issue um, so all good 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 tick 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 um, it's just just the just the trend the trend is is is, is worrying me a little um, it's pulled back since 15 I think the last time I was on it was about 13 I said 15 was our target we hit our target we did tell clients to take some profits there and we're just waiting for that point now to buy back in um, I think I did say around about 13 you could probably have a nibble it's come back since since then and that concerns me a bit so short-term trend down basically um, you know proudly WA it's a little bit like my my team, Koshi, the West Coast Eagles, it's almost since the start of the football season, all that promise at the start of the football season um, for, has, has quickly eroded from there. So let's hope it doesn't uh, doesn't continue like West Coast. It actually perks back up. I reckon if it closes back above 12, uh, there's enough in it to say that that okay. short-term well, trend is there, turning. To there you go. It's 12.01 as we speak. Well, there you go. So hopefully, hopefully we can get a close above there today. Um, and wait, let, me, let me give you the precise. What's this high here? Hold on. It was my chart. Uh, Twelve. Let me rephrase that. Twelve, twelve. So the 12, last 12. peak from the yeah from the twenty third is twelve eleven. So close above twelve twelve, and I think we're heading back up. Uh, and then uh, it becomes more of a strong hold. I'll, I want to see a little bit more before I upgrade it to a buy. So we, you know, we, we've still got a lot of clients in this one. We took part profits. That's our strategy um, to to sort of feed the, the euphoria when it's there and the hype, and then look to buy back. And we're not quite yeah. there yet. So hold Keep it if it you've got it. And, and, and we're very close. I think we're very close to, to um, upgrading it back to a buy. Okay. Uh, Michael? Yeah, it's a business that we hold for, for some clients. It's just got a nice, good quality projects out in WA. Um, and then it's got the upside of its foray into lithium. And if we can pull that off, that's probably where a lot of the as, value as, can be As was Carl was saying, actually produces something. Yeah. Isn't <laughs> that's and it. Well, it's this, finally ticked uh, that box. And this scatty market, you don't, you don't rely on promises, do you? Well, that's, that's right, definitely. Um, but they have had an issue with their flagship Nova project, whereby their December quarter shipping was delayed to March. Um, so although they managed to keep costs under control on their Nova um, project, um, despite the fact that there's been inflation really across the industry, 
for some reason that was delayed from December to March and then the right. realised pricing on that was lower than the market was initially anticipating. So that might have taken a bit of the wind out of the sails recently, more recently, um, but it's really the... The, the trend and the momentum still been very, very good because, of course, nickel prices have been affected by what's going on overseas. Lithium has held up very well. Um, so it's a very well-run company, very high-quality assets, and, and we think that there's potential, a lot of value to be unlocked if it can really deliver yeah. on this lithium project. So happy to give it a, a buy for now because I just right. think in this environment it's one area that can continue to do well. Um, but you, obviously, yep. if you're looking at it from a short-term trading perspective, you need to be careful for yep. the reasons Carl okay. points out. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's right. very close. I mean, you're getting it a lot cheaper than, than when we at 15 not that long ago. So reasonable discount there. And maybe like West Coast Koshi, it's just about to storm back. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I was pretty happy with four, four in a row at uh, Port Adelaide, but came back to earth with a thud last weekend. Now we've got to start a run again. Um, Michael, General. Simeon wants a view on Air New Zealand. Of course, uh, New Zealand's domestic carrier, the, the Qantas, if you like, of Air New Zealand. Zealand does pre-COVID 17 million passengers a year big in the freight business. Um, what do you think of Air New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, it's the flagship airline in New Zealand, similar yeah. to Qantas, as you say, uh, faced the same issues in many yeah. ways that Qantas did um, in that international borders were shut. But Air New Zealand didn't really have the domestic market to keep them going as well as Qantas did in Australia. Um, similar businesses in that they face the same challenges with rising oil prices, you know, fluctuation in different currencies. They're very, very, it's a very, very competitive industry. You're competing yep. with a lot of Gulf-based airlines that have access to cheap oil and are government-sponsored. Um, and ultimately, an airline seat's pretty you know, ubiquitous wherever you go. So there's a bit of loyalty there with some of the frequent flyer programs, etc., but not a lot. So from my standpoint, I wouldn't be getting too excited about either Qantas or Air New, New Zealand. Zealand. They right. came out with some forecast earnings for 2025, which were a bit lower than the market was expecting. Um, looking at some comparables, which I think the, the viewers sort of requested there, Simone. If you're looking at the comparison to Qantas, um, you know, the sales per share for Qantas are superior. Um, their margins are slightly higher. Um, their debt levels are more or less the same. The return on equity for Qantas is a lot higher. Right. But the dividend yield on Air New Zealand is a lot higher, at least looking at pre-COVID levels. Right. So they're much of a muchness, I think, in the long term. Qantas does have a thriving domestic airline, um, particularly dominates that market. So my preference would be for Qantas over Air New okay. Zealand. However, I'm not a huge fan of Air New Zealand. For that reason, it's a sell. Okay. And uh, Carl, um, can recently completed an equity raise as well? Oh, wow. Well, was it ever an equity raise? About yeah. 75% you know, of the size yeah. of the company. Yeah, so, yeah, you couldn't fill it, eh? Yeah. No. Oh, gosh. I mean, it, the, 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 they took out a huge loan from the New Zealand government. Obviously, back during when COVID was, you know, yeah. airlines had no choice. It was either do that or, or die. So, uh, you know, Qantas raised a bunch of equity. These guys raised a bunch of debt and now they're having to raise a bunch of equity to pay back the debt. So effectively, yeah. New Zealand government, so, you know, owns a huge chunk of this. I just, yeah, it's getting close to the, the 51 cents there. Uh, I, I didn't look. I didn't think it was some something going on with eighty cents and fifty cents. But uh, bottom line is, uh, I, I just can't see 
the reason to have a go at this one. If you have to have an, if you have to own an airline, then go for Qantas. I and mean, the chart yeah. this one is horrific, uh, which it, it basically look. And this is the the, the, the thing. When it's often um, when things drop a lot, people go, "Oh, well, that must be cheap." Um, Air New Zealand, that's a name I've heard of, and therefore, you know, it'll be around. You know, it'll be around in ten years. It'll come back. Mm. You know, so if I buy it fifty cents now, you know, sometime down the track, if I wait long enough, it'll be much much higher. Well, maybe, or, or, or maybe um, it gets privatised yeah. and and uh, existing shares does only get cents in the dollar mm. uh, from the from the New Zealand government. I mean, that's another possibility. So, you know, it's, I always say, you know, stocks aren't pineapples. If, if pineapples are normally $4 and then, um, you know, Woolies has them on special for a dollar, pineapples are cheap because they're delicious, they're juicy. Um, you, you put them in, um, uh, what is it, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Mexican, what's that thing that I like to drink? My wife makes them on Friday evenings. Uh, pina coladas, pina coladas. I'm getting, I'm getting off topic. Uh, but uh, pina coladas. So the pineapples have a utility. Um, stocks are just a price. They're just a number, you know, yeah, based upon yeah. future earnings. Going to be. So when pineapples are cheap, go buy more, make pina coladas. When stocks are cheap, doesn't mean you need you go out there and buy more. Yeah, yeah, all right. Our family's more margarita based, but um... <laughs> but we do those as well. But no, it's yeah, yeah. I've got a Mexican daughter-in-law, so we have to appreciate it. Uh, speaking of uh, companies with a few troubles, Patrick wants a view, Carl, on Star Entertainment Group, the big uh, casino operator accommodation. It's got into trouble with Oztrack. They're um, they've made some. Big board decision. John O'Neill stepped down the last week. He's been replaced yeah. as executive chairman. So, uh, in a bit of pain, regulatory pain here. Mm, yeah, it was. It's a bit depressing when I when I get the lists of stocks to, to look at today. I got Air New Zealand Star Group. It's just ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the chart on this one doesn't look. Uh, it looks well. Obviously, Air New Zealand is zero out of ten. This one's probably about a three out of ten. But it's you know it's pretty well established the downside. And the idea is you, you know, if, if this was a bargain, people would be out there falling over themselves to buy it. People who have cash would say, you know what, I want to own this. And if it was a bargain, the people who already own the shares, they'd say, well, why? Would I sell it? It's a bargain. Yeah. So if that's the case, if this is truly the stock to own, the people who have it wouldn't be selling. The people who don't have it would be buying. You'd have excess demand and the price would be going up. We've got the opposite of that. So the people who own it think, well, I'm a bit nervous about this and what might happen. Um, you know, there's class actions, there's, uh, you know, yeah. government inquiries, uh, I don't know, COVID, whatever, rising labour costs. That's a big part of, of what they do. Um, and, and therefore, I, I see better opportunities out there. Maybe APA looks better to me right now. So I want to, I'm more inclined to sell than to hold. And then the people with money, they're saying, well, I'm not looking at this. I've no interest. I'm more interested in APA. So yeah. you get the opposite prices go down. So I know I'm off topic here, but basically that chart, I can't buy that. Yep. So it's, I, I'd, I'd call this one a sell. Michael, would you even look at it? I mean, at one point you will. Um, I just don't see why you would want to look at it now. There's just a lot of unknowns that, that face the business, but they do have some very quality property assets these days. They've got obviously mm. Star in Sydney, um, the old Jupiter's on the Gold Coast, Brisbane, yep. they've got some treasury. Yep. And they recently bought the Sheridan Mirage and the 90s sort of institution, which they'll probably <laughs> look to do up. And they've got a lot of different investment projects on the go. So although they do have a casino business, in many ways, a lot of it is a property development yep. company. Yep. Um, it's, they were never as reliant on the international junkets and the high roller gambling as say Star was. Um, so or that, Crown. Or, yeah. Sorry, not, not Star, Crown yeah. was. Yeah. So that probably puts him in a little bit better stead to bounce back from this quicker. 
but you just don't know what's going to come their way at the moment. So for that reason, you might as well just just watch for the from the sidelines and, and wait to see yeah. what comes. So yeah. I'll have it as a sell, but it is starting to look more attractive on valuation, but you just don't know yeah, what's going to happen. So yeah, yeah. sell for mine. And whether regulators come out with That's anything right. more. Uh, let's recap the first five stocks, stock of the day, uh, APA, a hold from Michael. Um, Carl's saying for long-term defensive investor, investors, uh, it's good buying at this price. Data three, a no from both. Uh, select Harvest, a sell from Michael. Um, Carl's not interested unless uh, the price pops above 640, and uh, that shows a turnaround in the charts is sustainable. Uh, IGO, a yes from Michael. Um, it's a hold from Carl, but getting close to a buy if it uh, gets above that 12, 12, closes above $12.12. It's 12.01 at the moment, but that were, is a key level for the chart. Air New Zealand, a no from Carl, a sell from Michael, and a sell from both Carl and Michael for star um, here on the call we've been uh, we have an investment committee that uh, puts together a a fantasy high conviction growth portfolio from uh, the recommendations here on the call if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio go to the website and also the investment committee uh, discussion on what was to go into the portfolio is at osbiz.com as well catch up uh, last committee they added Tabcorp, Domino's, Ardent Leisure and Tyro. Um, the fund is since the 1st of March cumulative down 3.82%. Keep sending in your requests for the call though because that's the start of the filter. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time, stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. This half hour, we're going to be discussing Kingsgate Consolidated, uh, Far East Gold, National Tire and Will, McGrath and InvoCare. Um, Carl, Edward wants a view on Kingsgate uh, Consolidated. This is the gold and silver uh, miner uh, with the Chattery uh, gold mine in Thailand. Uh, Edward goes through saying this is profitable. Dividend paying Aussie gold miner has had a few... Uh, issues in the past with the Thai government who took control of the mine. They took them to court. The Thais gave it back again. Um, and they're re restarting the mine over the next couple of months. What do you think of Kingsgate? Yeah, of a historical dividend paying. So it hasn't been able to pay a dividend for a few years now because obviously yep. the mine's been closed and there's talk that there will be some potentially, potentially some compensation from the Thai government uh, as to, um, because, they, they, you know, basically they, um, uh, what's the right word? I mean, they, they, it was an international um, sort of arbitrary, a trial, uh, yeah, arbit yeah, a court arbitration. <laughs> arbitration. Arbitration. <laughs> arbitration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> arbitration. It only happens to me when I come on the call. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and in, um, in uh, Kingsgate's favour. So, look, the problem is, and, and we can go over this this mine, which they increased the mine life. They've obviously had some time to do that, and they had to do it because 
the, well, it didn't have a very long mine life, so it's out to eight to 10 years now, uh, but they don't have any money left. So they had four million in the bank at the end of the last half, they're burning three and a half quarter. Um, so they ran out of money. Essentially, they've got a bridging loan of 15 million to support working capital, uh, ordering long lead uh, items required for the restart. Uh, you need to get personnel back, right? Because obviously you let people go uh, in the meantime um, and regional exploration programs, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just kind of working capital. Then they need to find another 30 odd million to actually restart the mine. So there, right. there's a real uphill pull here. I think, you know, Edward's kind of seeing only the best stuff in Kingsgate and not seeing all the work, the hard slog that, that needs to occur to get this. And if they can't get any of those fundings, then the whole thing effectively falls in a heap. Um, or they're going to have to raise equity, you know, big capital raising um, to do it. Now, the stock's capped at about $340 million, uh, which I think is probably assuming everything goes right, to be fair. I, I, I didn't have time to check out historical production, um, but I did find some data that suggests 63,000 um, ounces per annum, which is not a huge um, producer, right? It's, it's sort of bottom tier anyway. Um, cost base probably about 1100 which is you know around about what Eucharist is producing at so reasonable um, cost base uh, so I couldn't do any um, I couldn't do a DCF I couldn't get a valuation on this because I just can't I can't see enough um, into the future for the cash flows if they occur so I, I can't give you valuation I therefore have to go on the chart um, and I would say that it's very flat so uh, it's not a, it's not a terrible chart it might be a five out of ten if it starts to push back above 160 close above 160 then the short-term trend is turned back to up but it would really have to get above say 190 to turn that long-term trend right. to give me any confidence to buy so I'm just going to go hold but I do think um, there are some issues here. Hmm. Michael? Um, I just don't know why you would look at something like this. It, there's, look, it's obviously out of checkered history, a lot of issues with yeah. the Thai government. Um, this is why we prefer just Australian gold producers. Who are pretty good, who are world standard, aren't Very, they? very good. <laughs> and, and we like the fact, I, I've mentioned this probably a thousand times on the show, the fact they incur their costs in Aussie dollars, sell their gold yeah. in US dollars. They do benefit from a falling Aussie dollars in times of turbulence as well. Um, and often gold producers overseas are operating in very uncertain jurisdictions um, and that can be quite complex to navigate and deal with. So look, I'm sure if Kingsgate can get up and running again, they can raise the money to bring the mine back into life. There's probably some value to be unlocked, but there's a lot of different steps and hurdles that need to be jumped over before they get to that point. So you're making your life a little bit more difficult than it probably needs yeah. to be. Sure, if they get it right, your reward will be better, but if you want just some good gold exposure, we like the likes of Evolution, Northern Star, and Silver Lake is a bit more mm. of a juicy one um, because they've got the runs on the board, very high quality yeah. assets, well funded. <coughs> um, so that would be our preferences. So that's my And that's what you've got to weigh up as an investor. So if you want exposure in a sector, you know, do, do, you, do you want to go yeah. high risk and with all the complications or right. something? just a bit more certain. That's right. I mean, some people mm. have the stomach for it and that's what they're looking for. They're seeking out sort of turnarounds, bottom feeding type stories. And, and that's definitely one way to skin a cat. Yep. But just the way we go about things, yep, it's slightly different. All right. Uh, Carl Raj wants a view on uh, Far East Gold. Uh, Raj says, missed out on the IPO. Should I buy at 40 cents, given it's doubled in a very short time? What are the long-term prospects? Again, we're talking about another <coughs> mining company, with this time with Indonesian uh, copper and gold projects, but also uh, some Australian assets as well in Western Australia. 
Yeah, another company uh, looking for gold. Uh, I'd go Red 5. I think that one's very good. Another local producer. Right. And uh, em- Emerald Resources, ticket code EMR. That'd, that'd be oh. my two picks in the gold sector with this really nice charts. Uh, and as far as this one, um, so Far East Gold. So as you said, uh, three projects in Indonesia. Uh, I think three over here in Australia, but it's the Indonesian ones that have the most focus at the moment. There's been a lot of um, sort of historical work that's occurred at all three of those sites. Don't make me name them they've got right. all, um, you know <laughs> weird and wonderful names um, but they are very early stages so it's, it's um, sort of uh, they've even got the, the old drill cores that they're sort of going back over oh. and reanalyzing uh, sort of reviewing some of the 3d data there and they're uh, working out um, drilling campaigns to come so it's going to be a little bit of time between they between now and when they start drilling and then they've got to get those results back so you know probably 12 months um, just mm. on, on the way they're going I, Maybe somebody knows the story better than me. They say, hey, no, Carl, it's more like six months. If it's six months or 12 months, it's still not right now. So the question was, uh, look, you know, there was an IPO. Uh, it, it went up quite a bit after the IPO. And, it's and, and you know, ha- have I missed it? And I don't think you have. I think that's the message here. So whilst, um, you know, I think there's some very interesting things going on here in terms of prospectivity uh, in, in, in where they are, because there's some historical um, drilling results. There's some really high-grade results all very interesting. Um, I think you've got time. I think the price will continue to come back. I think the chart's right. really kind of saying that. We've seen that that little peak. Uh, and a lot of the time, once that hype of that IPO um, subsides, really you've got a lot of people that are stuck in at high prices that are looking at every other shiny new thing in the market and thinking, well, <laughs> that thing's shinier than what I've got. And they tend to leave. And then you get that pullback. So I think you get it. If, if this is the one you want to have as an explorer, then I think you will get it mm. at a cheaper price. I don't think there's any rush. Michael? Never heard of, of this one before, um, but how often do you see with IPOs, the ones that do well, you know, the price shoots up, all mm. the optimism starts <laughs> to be embedded in the price, uh, and then it starts to tail off yeah, uh, as a lot of, of reality delivering. sets in. So mm. I'll just be careful. I'm not saying it's going to happen with this, but it's just something you've got to be conscious of. Everyone's looking at the, the, the you know, the very strong positives um, that are out there, but then now they have to actually deliver. They've yeah. got to go through these core samples, they've got to reevaluate the mines, and there's got to be some positivity that comes out of that. So a lot of the hot money has bid up the price. You've got to be careful now that you're not left holding um, the shares as everyone rushes for the door that did well out of the IPO. So just bide your time, I and mean, if you're desperate to take a position, you can put a, a small tranche in now, and then maybe look to reevaluate in a couple of months after the next right. update or cash flow statement, whatever it may be. Um, that way you're sort of tiering your entry points. But I don't know enough about this business to give it right. any valued okay. um, commentary on it. All right. Uh, let's go from uh, from resource stocks to uh, back to the good old industrial <laughs> boards. Uh, Steve, uh, Michael, wants a view on National Tire and Wheel. Um, interest of obviously an auto retailer and wholesaler. Uh, Steve says, given the major changes for the industry, uh, foreign exchange rates, inflation, reduced car sales, supply chain issues, uh, what's your view on it at the moment? Um, they obviously as the name suggests distributes tires and wheels for cars SUVs yeah. four drives and like pretty simple business yeah. model to get the you know the the licensing arrangements in place some of them are exclusive um, which enables them to distribute um, all sorts of different tires and and tubing etc um, they've recently completed an acquisition as well and um, they've seemed to be incorporating that fairly well you have seen margins come back a little bit as a result of, of that acquisition. Um, everyone was sort of 
updating their cars and, and all those sorts of things during COVID. The, the pressures within the industry seem to be subsiding a little bit, particularly in the secondary market for, for, for used cars. Yep. Um, the thing with, with this company is, which you've got to watch the closest, is the inflationary side of things. Um, obviously, around the world, it's difficult to get shipping. It's difficult to make tyres, you know, more, more expensive than it was. All those sorts of factors are something you need to keep an eye on. Um, again, it's not a business that I'd, I'd ever come across before, but it does look to be a fairly conservative type industrial business um, that should grow fairly stably over the years to come, but, but never really shoot the lights out. Uh, the other thing, as I mentioned, to watch will just be that acquisition, whether they can embed that um, as they were hoping to. So. Yeah, look, for mine, I'll, I'm happy to give it a hold only because I know nothing about it and I can't give it a buy or a sell. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's the viewpoint there. Okay. Uh, Carl? Well, I think Steve's done his research on this one. He's, he's really picked out all of the key uh, problems going forward, so lower um, Australian dollar and the higher um, crude prices. So here's the your useless stat for the day, Koshi. Uh, it takes seven gallons of crude oil to produce one tyre. How about that? <laughs> So he's a key. Yes, really. No. I, I just, I, I literally just Googled it, so it must be true. Good on you, Elon. Elon Musk and his yeah. <laughs> According, according to the Rubber Manufacturers Association, the RMA, I'm sure you're. Jeez, that's a lot of oil. Seven gallons of oil. Well, and and if you look at the crude oil price, and I don't know if you have looked at it lately, it looks very good from yeah. a technical perspective. I think crude oil is a buy here. I think it's going up. Mm. And if you look at the um, NTD chart, it's kind of the opposite. So it peaked out, obviously, with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. Who would have thought that getting your tyres changed, the, 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 the company that changes your tyres, that they would have such a huge change in fortunes because Russia decided to invade Ukraine. Oh. But that is exactly what we're seeing. So if you think oil prices are going up, you have have to then think uh, NTD prices are going down because their key input, let's face yeah. it, is tyres, yeah. and the price of tyres at the wholesale level is going to go up, and therefore um, they're going to have to they're going to have to fight with consumers. Um, so, so it's not such a bad thing if the input prices go up, but then you have to fight with the consumer to make the consumer pay more to protect your margins, and that's a big problem. Uh, so I think the chart looks. I think the chart is a cautionary trail, a cautionary tale uh, of what of how a trend changes. Because this was one of the the best trends, right? It yeah. was on my uh, my Twitter feature charts it was there uh, for you know for the last six months and then it just it just dropped it just oh, disappeared off the list yep. it just it just stopped being on my list and that tells you something's wrong and you can just see how it's uh, changing there even on that chart uh, i'm very very concerned about this one i'm going to call it a sell oh, okay um so if the oil price going up and woodside just completing all the bhp acquisition uh you'd be buying woodside instead of uh, national tire would you well, yeah, if you had to do a pairs trade, it, I think it would be a great pairs trade, yeah. Yeah, okay. We All right. One sort of uh, uh, Walt wants a view, Carl, on McGrath, uh, the big real estate chain and company. Um, all over Australia, franchise model in terms of real estate. Uh, again, has had a, uh, an up and down history. 
Yeah, uh, this is, it's, I'm just looking at this and uh, the NTD chart. They've got nothing to do with each other, but yet they both took a major downturn almost at exactly the same point. Right. So it's just showing how these big macroeconomic factors uh, impact you know, stocks. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, uh, what uh, also happened is uh, interest rates spiked because inflation yeah. uh, of inflation concerns because the crude oil price went up. And uh, that doesn't help the property market and therefore McGrath uh, comes off. So it's, it, how about that? National Tire uh, and McGrath moving on the same themes. The charts look the same. Uh, I can talk uh, about John McGrath coming back into the business. I can talk about he's got some big plans, you know, double yeah. uh, the um, company owned uh, outlets, uh, increase franchise, um, grow despite, you know, he's even tipping a downturn in the property market. We can talk about the property market, but at the end of the day, that chart looks terrible. I can't yeah. buy it. And if I can't buy it, I can't call it, I can't even call it a hold, so I'm going to go sell. Yep. Michael? Uh, it's very challenging in, in this environment when, you know, everyone's expecting property prices to come under pressure. Uh, the numbers at the back end, oh, sorry, for the first half of 2022 are actually all right. They've seen a big pickup in the volume of properties sold, uh, the value of properties sold, you know, the average efficiency of each agent has improved, but you probably would expect that given the environment we've been in. Yeah. Those same conditions are unlikely to be replicated going forward, so it's going to become more challenging. If property prices aren't going through the roof and, and it's taking longer to sell each home, then yeah, it's going to, be, it's going to become more tough for the right. average real estate agent out there. Generally speaking, real estate agencies are very reliant on a couple of people. What happens if you lose those people? It's the same, you know, the old argument about key person risk. Um, a lot of real estate agencies are valued on their rent roll. The rent roll hasn't been growing that quickly for McGrath. So once you sort of strip out all the volatile stuff, what's the annuity type business, that's the rent roll. Um, so that ultimately, I think, is what drives a lot of the value in these companies. So. From my standpoint, I just think that the environment's becoming too uncertain and you just don't want to be in a company like yep. this now, if, 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 if ever, really. Okay. Yes, yeah, certainly not in this environment. Okay. So no from you. All right, we're coming to the end of the show, so let's talk about end of life. Um, <laughs> that's a downer, isn't it? Uh, no, so of course you can invest in this area as well. Uh, Julie wants a, a few, Michael, on InvoCare, the global provider of funeral, cemetery, crematorium services. They own White Lady Funerals, Simplicity Funerals, Value Cremations uh, through Australia, New Zealand and, and Singapore. Um, sort of uh, despite all the fears of COVID we haven't been dying much has yeah. been a problem has it? Well that was the problem but we look to be dying a bit more again. Right. So okay. <laughs> mortality rates have picked up again which has been a benefit for Invacare. Yeah. Um, there was a period where they were losing a lot of market share as well when they were going through a big investment phase. So essentially there's two main players. There's Invacare which has about 24, 25% of the market, and then an unlisted private company called Dignity, which has about 12%. Right. So it looks like Invacare has been seeing numbers pick up where Dignity's been seeing them fall. So uh -huh. um, basically their competitive advantage or their competitive position's improving again after a period where it was suffering. So that's a, a positive. Um, they're starting to see some decent earnings growth come through again. They should start to benefit from that operational leverage uh, particularly now that all the refurbishments and the big investment programs behind them. They, uh, they bought liquor licenses for all their funeral homes, oh, really? didn't they? I so did, you yeah. can, <laughs> didn't know So that. you can have the wake yeah. and the party there because people tend to apparently have, have parties now for funerals yeah. rather than sort of being a dower affair. 
So they're making money on uh, food and beverage. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, right? When people were passing away during COVID, no one was spending up big on the funeral yeah. because no one could be there, no one could attend to really uh-huh. see what was going on. Um, now all of that stuff's starting mm. to return to the market again and the marketing premium um, spend is picking up and that's favouring Invercare. Would I buy Invercare? Still probably not. Right. Um, I just think something like a, a Propel Funerals is probably, it's a smaller operator listed that's got better growth trajectory, um, oh. better balance sheet at this stage. So that's right. one that we actually own for clients that's been doing well and holding up in this environment. Um, Invercare no. look, is sort of the incumbent dominant player and we still have concerns around that competitive position okay. being eaten away at. Uh, Carl, Invercare. I'm just I'm just doing a little project here while Michael was talking, and I'm checking the close. The close on Invercare at the moment is 11.59, and if I go back to 2013, uh, the clo- it, it was about 11.59. Uh, wow. So that's nearly nine years of basically being the same price. <laughs> now it has paid some dividends, obviously along the way, but it just does speak to just how um, uninspiring and un- unexciting this business is, and you know, obviously. You know, it's a very stable business. It's a very defensive business, but they just haven't been able to um, consistently achieve the earnings growth to, to get investors on board. And maybe they can do a little bit better in, in the near term on that. But I just think uh, with it trading at 28 times next year's earnings for a defensive company, uh, I just can't see the value there. So we've got a fair value target of 1180, which is um, a little bit higher than where it is. Uh, it's got a it's it's got a dividend yield of around about two and a half percent. Fully frank, that's not enough to get us excited. Um, and whilst um, how did Flash go, Koshi? Last time I talked about this one, Flash wasn't doing so well. Maybe made a miraculous recovery there. <laughs> I'm, I'm that's hoping. right. No, no. This no. Is, we're we're talking about Natalie Barr's cat. Uh, yeah. my co-host on Sunrise, uh, because Invocare had a big increase in pet funerals. It was one of the growth there. It's still tiny revenue last time they reported. Unfortunately, um, Flash, Flash didn't has passed. Yes. But she didn't do a big funeral Flash. for it, let me tell you, or spend any money. <laughs> Well, it's about three to four hundred dollars um, yeah. at Invercare. Eighty-seven thousand pet cremations yes. last year, Koshi, in the in the, in the 2021 calendar, calendar year. Uh, there were um, sixty sixty-seven thousand human funerals mm. and cremations. So they're doing more pet cremations. Obviously, very low-margin business, yeah. but it is an, an avenue of growth there. Um, look, I, I'm going to go hold if you're really a really boring stick-in-the-mud defensive investor, okay. but uh, as a growth yeah. investor, chart. And I'll pass on your condolences tomorrow on Sunrise to Natalie. Thank you for, um, of course, a West Australian. That's where the connection comes in. Yes, fellow West Australian. She's from from Bunbury, I think. Yeah, from Bunbury. And is it Frio's, who's Frio's player that got rubbed out for the weekend, Switkowski? Um, no, I don't follow. Don't follow. On, don't follow on, the, on the chicken tackle, anyhow, her niece is going <laughs> out with him, so she oh. thought he was hardly done by. Her. But <laughs> that's sort of WA. Everyone knows each other <laughs> or are related. Uh, all right, Carl. Appreciate your time. Thank you for that. Good to have you aboard. Thanks, Goshi. Uh, Always a pleasure. Uh, Always fun. Uh, Michael Wayne from Medadium Financial. Good to have you aboard Thanks, as Koshy. well. <laughs> Him chuckling away about the <laughs> uh, about the WA suggestions here. Let's um, recap the final five stocks. Kingsgate. Hold from Carl. No from. Um, uh, from Michael in that whole uh, gold explorer uh, area, um, 
Uh, Carl thinks Red 5 and Emerald have good charts, um, if you like it. Far East Gold, a no from both. Uh, National Tyres, a sell from uh, Carl, a no from Michael McGrath. Um, a sell from uh, from Carl, a no from Michael. And Invocare, a hold uh, from Carl. Uh, a no from Michael, he prepare prefers Propel, which is in the same industry, uh, but looks to have better prospects, and uh, that's what Medallion clients are in instead. Um, if you'd like uh, us to cover any stocks that are of interest to you, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or tweet us using the at Ausbiz TV handle. A reminder, you can find all the stocks in the Calls Fantasy portfolio at ausbiz.co slash portfolio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 